Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to acknowledge and honor the passing of a hero in our hometown, Susie Tennant. Susie passed away last week. She was 61 years old. Susie was an incredible force in Seattle's music scene. Among her many contributions, she was a huge advocate for Nirvana and helped break the band, as well as working with acts like Sonic Youth, Weezer, and Beck. By all accounts, Susie was a humble and generous person, always giving back to this music scene that's given so much to the world. We're so thankful for the life she lived, the music she championed, and the lasting legacy she leaves behind. We dedicate this episode to Susie. Uh, playing Nirvana. The Cobain 50. Nirvana. Kurt Cobain's top 50 albums. Nirvana. From listener-powered KEXP. This is the Cobain 50 from listener-powered KEXP, the podcast that dives into Kurt Cobain's favorite albums. I'm Dusty Henry. And I'm Martin Douglas. This week, Janice Headley dives into the album Dying For It by The Vaselines, which dropped in 1988. Yeah, this is like maybe the prime example of why we're doing this podcast about how Kurt's love of music and championing music brought the music to more people. The Vaselines are synonymous with Nirvana in my view because Kurt was such a fan. You know, I didn't even know that they weren't a band anymore until Nirvana covered their songs and they got back together and it was like, oh, wow, they, you know, I just thought they were this obscure band that was toiling away in the Scotland indie pop scene and come to realize that Kurt brought them back. So I guess, you know, without further ado, let's get into it. Here's Janice Headley on Dying For It by The Vaselines. We might never have heard of The Vaselines if not for Kurt Cobain. Throughout their career, Nirvana paid tribute to the band several times. They covered the Vaseline songs Son of a Gun and Molly's Lips on their 1990 compilation album, Incesticide. In 1993, they performed their rendition of the Vaseline song, Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam, on MTV Unplugged, renaming their version, Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam. Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam, sunbeams I'm But by the time Nirvana began covering their songs, the Vaselines had broken up. It was Kurt's love for the Scottish indie pop duo that helped reunite the pair and lift them out of obscurity. The Vaselines formed in Glasgow in 1986 by then-sweethearts Eugene Kelly and Francis McKee. Both were active in the underground music scene. Francis briefly sang in a band featuring future members of Teenage Fan Club, BMX Bandits, and the Soup Dragons. Eugene had been in the band The Famous Monsters. At first, the couple were going to write a fanzine together, but then decided to write songs instead. 
True to the DIY spirit of the Scottish indie pop scene at the time, they didn't let their lack of musicianship stop them. Francis had never even played guitar till then, but their simplistic songwriting gave their music a distinctive charm and allowed for their vocal interplay to truly shine, as you can hear in this early demo of their song, Son of a Gun. It makes a lot of sense that Kurt was such a fan of the Vaselines. The Scottish pop scene held a lot of parallels with the Olympia Washington music scene. While Olympia had K Records, launched by Calvin Johnson, frontman for Beat Happening, Scotland had the indie label 53rd and 3rd Records, launched by Stephen Pastel, frontman for the Pastels. During a 2017 panel at the University of Glasgow, Eugene explains how the simpatico scenes and the power of radio led to Kurt discovering the Vaselines. The weather's kind of like Glasgow. It's, it's kind of rainy and green and, and somehow our music got there through Stephen Pastel where then Calvin Johnson had a radio show on K Records and then Kurt heard it and then that was it. You know, we didn't know this until a few years ago that it just our music had travelled around these different people to that area. Stephen Pastel released and produced the Vaseline's first two EPs. Their 1987 debut, Son of a Gun, followed in 1988 by the EP, Dying for It, written on Kurt's top 50 albums list as the Pink EP, based on the color of the album artwork. Of the four songs on the release, Nirvana covered two of them. She said she'd take me anyway. Molly's Lips was an ode to Scottish actress Molly Weir, one of the presenters on the 70s children's TV series, Tea Time Tales. The EP's closing track, Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam, is a cheeky reference to a Christian children's song titled, I'll Be a Sunbeam. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam to shine for him each day. With Eugene flipping the script on the lyrics. Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam. Cause sunbeams are not made like me. Sadly, by the time the Vaselines released their debut full-length album, Dum Dum, in June 1989, Eugene and Francis decided to end their romantic relationship, thus ending the band as well. Time passed. Eugene had gone back to school to study graphic design and was working part-time as a bartender. And then in 1990, he got a phone call asking if the Vaselines would reunite and open for Nirvana when they played a show in Edinburgh, Scotland. They were vaguely aware that an American band had been covering their songs. 
Earlier that year, Nirvana covered two Vaseline's tracks during a BBC Radio 1 live in studio session. And Eugene had read an interview with Nirvana in the New Musical Express, where Kurt said he was a fan. They jumped at the opportunity. Reunited, the pair scrambled to remember their songs. As Francis recalls in the 2017 Scottish indie pop scene documentary, Teenage Superstars. I'd grabbed Eugene and was like, you need to go over these songs with me because I haven't a clue how to play them. And so we're sitting trying to, to play, I can't remember what song, and Kurt came by and I thought, oh, he's going to think we're idiots. We can't play our music. This is terrible. So getting really embarrassed about, about it all. But little known to me at the time that he was kind of in awe of us. In the same film, Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club remembers the first time Kurt met Eugene. Yeah, I, I was there the night that Eugene met and Kurt Cobain for the first time. And I remember um, Kurt Cobain saying, oh, wow, Eugene Kelly, I can't believe I mean Eugene Kelly. I'm such a big fan. It was really was, you could tell he was kind of blown away by meeting Eugene. Aside from the Edinburgh show, Nirvana even pulled Eugene to the stage when they played the Reading Festival in 1991. At an estimated attendance of 35,000 people, not only was it the largest crowd Nirvana had played for at the time, it was definitely the largest crowd Eugene had encountered during his time with the Vaselines. Kurt never stopped championing the Vaselines. He got Sub Pop to release the 1992 compilation, The Way of the Vaselines, A Complete History, making the band's music available in the U.S. for the first time. When Eugene formed a new band called Captain America, Kurt was photographed wearing the band's t-shirt. Sure, it led to Marvel Comics suing Eugene for using the name. But under the new band name, Eugenius, they went on to open for Nirvana on their 1991 European tour. It's even been said that Kurt named his daughter after Frances. But in a 2010 interview with The Guardian, she says that while she's heard that story, she's also heard she could be named for Frances Farmer. Farmer was a Seattle-born actress active in the 1930s and 40s who publicly dealt with depression and mental health struggles. Nirvana immortalized her in the song Frances Farmer Will Have Her Revenge on Seattle, released on their 1993 album, In Utero. The band wholeheartedly credits Nirvana with giving their music career a second wind. Sixteen years later, after reuniting to open for Nirvana, the Vaselines reunited again for some live shows, which snowballed into the 2009 sub-pop release, Enter the Vaselines, a deluxe edition reissue of their 1992 compilation, as well as two new albums, Sex with an X in 2010 and V for Vaselines in 2014. You look so right, you must be wrong for me. You look so right, you must be wrong for me. You look so right, you must be wrong for me. Let's do it, let's do it again. None of this would have happened if not for Kurt Cobain. Francis talks about Kurt's legacy in the Women of Rock Oral History Project podcast. One of the great things about Kurt Cobain and his legacy is that he was always promoting other bands. And up until then, there was always this tension between other bands, you know, vying to get that top spot. 
And I think Kurt Cobain had this really communal thing. Like, yeah, you, you, you've heard us, but you haven't heard the Vaselines or you haven't heard you know this band or the Battle Surfers or whatever band he really loved. So he was a really good promoter of music that I think would have just gone underground and never materialised, actually. It's a sentiment I'm sure we'll hear echoed by more bands as the Cobain 50 series continues. You just heard KXP's Janice Headley talking about the album Dying For It by the Vaselines. Martin, what's your relationship with the Vaselines? As I alluded to in the intro, I had not heard of the Vaselines before Nirvana started covering them. I think like many young kids, you don't read the liner notes. So there were a couple songs, um, Molly's Lips in particular, that I thought was an actual Nirvana song because they took that song and made it their own. It was very interesting in learning about this obscure band from Scotland. I don't think I had even heard any music from Scotland prior to <laughs> prior to Nirvana covering this song. Maybe I heard about Scotland in school. I can't even think of any entertainer or artists in general from Scotland who I might have heard of before the Vaselines. So that's a pretty cool thing, learning about the world through music. Like, oh, you know, Glasgow, Scotland. Home of the Vaselines. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see some data on like how many people heard of them through Nirvana first. It's got to be like 90% or something like that. Yeah. And I remember like going through the list as a kid, like, I think I gravitated towards the Vaseline, so I like the name. And I went to check out went to go check out their record. And I don't think it was dying for it, because I, I think it was like the Enter the Vaseline's big compilation mm-hmm. that they did. Um at the time I remember thinking, like, this is the weirdest music I've ever heard in my life. Like at that point, like I didn't get to the shags on the list yet. <laughs> but like it was like, this is so weird. There's you know, a song like Monster Pussy and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, my mom's gonna kill me. But uh yeah, it was, it was just so different than what I was used to hearing. And at the time, it felt so different from Nirvana. But as I've gotten older, like I, the differences are so much smaller to me. Like they, they feel more and more aligned, like that I spent more time with both of their music. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, you brought up a point that I wanted to bring up while we were talking about this in that the Vaselines, down to their name, they're one of the horniest bands of all time. And yes. I don't think I noticed it either until, you know, you get into adulthood, you you have personal relationships of a sexual nature. And then, yeah, you learn about the world that way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then that's where I learned that, oh, these, oh, oh my God. <laughs> like... You you don't necessarily get into the double entendres or the the euphemisms when you're a kid like that. But I think that is the genius of the Vaselines is that they made this very poppy, accessible music while being super horny and things that 
things that someone might play around family members that when they grow up, they were like, oh, I, I got away with something here. <laughs> like very horny and also like singing about Jesus quite a bit. Yeah. Like, it's a weird dichotomy. The Lord is watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, like there's that that melodic aspect of the band too with with Kurt's music. Like this, we maybe we'll cut this out. But the, I had this. So I played in a grunge band in high school. Oh, very briefly, uh, I was just like the bass player. But we were called Ed, Ted, and Fred, <laughs> um, which is referenced to Nirvana's band or their alter ego, Ted, Ed, and Fred. I think there's some some name they used. Um, but we'd cover like Nirvana songs and. We had a song called Jesus in a straight jacket or something. <laughs> but um, one day, like I was, I jumped on guitar and vocals, like after practice with the, the guy who was the leader and he's playing drums and we did Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam. And it was the one time, like his mom came down from the basement and was like, Oh, this actually sounds good. Like <laughs> this is like, this sounds nice. And like, it was just a funny moment to think about Nirvana who was also really loud and gnarly, but also like, melodic and like beautiful and like you could understand why moms across the nation would love nirvana someday or you know people across the world uh yeah i don't know yeah i mean that that ties into the basis of kurt being an indie pop fan from olympia like i wonder how much of the influence of the k record scene came into how Kurt got into the Vaselines, like, because I know he was a huge Beat Happening fan, huge fan of all of the indie pop groups from the South Puget Sound. Yeah, a lot more great poppy horny bands <laughs> with DIY aesthetics. <laughs> this piece was written and produced by Janice Headley. Audio is mixed by Roddy Nickpour. Our podcast manager is Isabel Kalili. Larry Mizell Jr. is our director of editorial. I'm Dusty Henry. And I'm Martin Douglas. We'll see you next week on the Kobe 50 from Listener Powered KEXP, where the music matters. And that's our podcast. <laughs>